So just some declarations of interest first. Um, so my centre doesn't accept money from the food or drink industry or indeed the physical activity industry. Um, some acknowledgements. Uh, some of this work I'm going to be talking about has been funded by NIHR, NIHR BRC in Oxford um, and the British Heart Foundation. Um, and some people to thank. Um, these people in my team, Pete Scarborough, Richie Harrington, VS Adikari and... What's happened here? Oh, never mind. And Sven Blue Lauren Bandy. And also, some of these slides that I'm going to be um, showing you today come from Addison Tebstone at PH Public Health England. So, I should say, I'm not speaking on behalf of the um, British government. Um, I will um, <laughs> tell you about what the British government's uh, childhood obesity plan is um, and also critique it along the way. So this is the outline of my talk. I'm going to talk a little bit about the history of obesity prevention policy in the UK. Obviously, the, child, the UK government's childhood obesity plan um, is not the first, um, to, or not the first government uh, strategy or policy around obesity. And it, uh, the actual plan now divides and has three chapters, chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three. The chapter three is the most recent chapter, and that comes within the recent government green paper on public health. Then I'm going to give you, um, talk about specific aspects of the plan that my research group has been investigating really, or uh, looking at over the years. Um, the updating of the UK nutrient profile model, the sugar reduction strategy, um, the sugary drinks tax, which Harry talked about earlier. Um, some new initiatives around regulating price promotions, and finally, um, plans uh, for front-to-pack labelling in the UK. Um, so, and finally, I'll, I'll outline what I would like to see in Chapter 4. So firstly, the problem that the Childhood Obesity Plan is designed to tackle. Although it's called the Childhood Obesity Plan, actually it has quite a lot of elements which are designed to tackle obesity amongst adults as well. Um, it has things which are specifically aimed at ad adults. For example, front-to-back labelling is you know, something that kids not are not going to be using. It's going to be their parents or adults themselves. So I think um, it's a bit of a misnomer to just think of it in terms of um, ch childhood. So here's what's happening, I think, in terms of um, our Public Health England. There's a slide from Alison. Um, show, is talk, show, shows what's happening in, uh, about... Um, obesity in particular here excess weight amongst adults. It doesn't, it has been going up, the prevalence has been going up, but now it seems to be tailing off. But if you look a bit under the surface of that, um, and here's another slide that I've got from a guy at, um, in our department looking um, at the rise in obesity, uh, BMI rather than obesity prevalence. Um, here you can see that it's actually going, still going up and not flattening off. To, um, as the previous slide might suggest. And interestingly, it's still going up in the United States too, or, or um, uh, BMI is still going up, average BMI is going up. And of course, actually, of course, if you think about it, the two slides aren't um, incompatible with one another. But it does show that you know, we've still got a lot, long way to go in tackling this problem. Specifically with regard to ch childhood obesity, uh, this is um, children aged two to 15 years. Again, you see that same pattern in relationship to the prevalence, it seems to be sort of flattening off. And with the eye of um, 
faith, you might think it's slightly falling. But of course, actually, of course, and I haven't got an equivalent slide to this slide showing what's happening to the average um, BMI amongst children. So that's the background, really. The problem that the Childhood BC Plan is trying to address. Uh, although I'm talking about Childhood Obesity Plan for the UK, uh, of course the UK isn't England, as we all have come to recognise, um, and there are equivalent plans, if you or referenced in this slide, for Scotland and Wales. So a bit of history about this Childhood Obesity Plan. As I say, it dates back, the whole idea of planning and strategising around the problem of obesity dates back um, decades now really and I just shown you some um, milestones along that path dating back to the Labour government in 2007 with their thing called the Foresight Report which I'm sure somebody's shown you a slide today of the Foresight Obesity Map have you seen mm -hmm. that from Stanley? did Stanley show you that this morning? Well anyway you might have seen that before and I'll show it to you again anyway um, that, that was a Labour government initiative to tackle obesities um, from the Office of Science and Technology um, that came, led, led to a healthy weight, healthy lives across government strategy for England in 2008. Then we had the public health thing called the Public Health Responsibility Deal under the Conservative Liberal Coalition. Um, public Health England then got involved with things like sugar reduction and uh, produced a document on the evidence for action in October 2015. Then we had the Childhood Obesity Plan Chapter 1 in August 2016 followed by a calorie reduction a plan issued by Public Health England in 2018, still under the Conservatives, obviously, and the Childhood Obesity Plan Chapter 2 in, cha in June 2018. And as I said, just recently, in July 2019, we had Advancing Our Health Prevention in the 2020s, um, a Public Health Green Paper, and that includes within it uh, Childhood Obesity Plan Chapter 3. So under lots of different governments who've had these plans. So what can we say has been promised? What can we say has been done? Um, so going back to chapter obesity plan, uh, Childhood Obesity Plan Chapter 1, these are the, this is a slide from Alison Tedstone, introduces a whole range of uh, things you can read at leisure later. This is my summary. Um, basically, the primary actions here were around, in my view, uh, these th sorts of things. And I'm really going to concentrate in my talk on population-based interventions, population approaches to the prevention of obesity, as um, distinguished by, by Harry earlier. Um, of course, some of these, this, these planned documents also have stuff around individual um, obesity treatment and, uh, and even prevention. I'm going to talk about the, uh, the, the, the initiatives aimed at reducing um, obesity and overweight in the whole population. So for Chapter one, uh, I think it, 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 it um, announced the introduction of soft drinks industry levy, which actually had already been introduced, but it was reiterating that. They launched a, a voluntary sugar reduction strategy with government targets. They promised to update the UK nutrient profile model, which we'll come on to a bit later. They designed, uh, aimed to create a new healthy rating scheme for primary schools, and they um, uh, promised to update the school standards. Some of those things have been done, but most of them, quite frankly, haven't. So Child, child Obesity, uh, Childhood Obesity um, Plan Chapter 2 is summarised here, and divided, and here Public Health England divided the initiatives up into things like labelling initiatives, 
things like exploring what additional opportunities leaving the EU would present for food labelling. Um, it introduced some new ideas around food retailing, intending um, and promised to, in, to look at banning price promotions of um, unhealthy foods. It reiterated the ideas around sugar reduction and set, setting targets for um, sugar reduction. It has things around marketing and for the first time promised to look at introducing a 9pm watershed on uh, advertising unhealthy foods, which is something that many of us have been campaigning for years around and has some stuff a bit, a bit around local communities and schools. So here's my summary of that. Uh, considering further, uh, actually they also at this point decided that they might look at further use of the tax system to promote healthy foods. Uh, it's not just taxing sugary drinks but other sorts of things. Thought about considering introducing legislation ending the sale of energy drinks. They, introduced they wanted to introduce legislation to mandate uh, calorie labelling for the out-of-home sector. They talked about exploring opportunities for leaving the EU and that what that presents for food labelling. Consulting on a 9pm watershed and introducing legislation to ban price promotions. Um, but just note that most of these are all about considering and not actually doing anything. <laughs> Uh, only two of them are actually promises to introduce legislation, hard and fast in, in legislation. So chapter three turns up, and what's now happened? Well, they're still considering further use of the tax system to produce healthy food and drinks. They're still considering introducing legislation ending the sales of energy drinks. But now they promised that we're going to have uh, a ban on the sale by the end of the year, I think. Maybe have the that's specific. Now we're going to introduce the claim to introduce to, uh, legislation to mandate calorie labelling for the out-of-home sector. But uh, well, that's what they said before. Sorry, we'll now be setting out details of our policy in a consultation response shortly. They said they were exploring opportunities leaving the EU, European Union. Um, what they would present for food labelling. So we're going to be, they're going to be consulting by the end of 2018 on what we might do once we leave the European Union. But of course. Not at all certain that we will be leaving the EU, or maybe we will, I don't know. Um, they're still consulting on a 9pm watershed, um, but setting out um, action steps as soon as possible. And um, they, um, what, what they said about introducing legislation to ban price uh, promotions on unhealthy foods, uh, they're still consulting, thinking about that. So basically I suppose what I'm doing is trying to present you uh, um, some nice words here. But, uh, not a lot of action. Um, the only thing they really seem to be thinking of doing is um, uh, banning the sale of energy drinks to children. But if you think about it, energy drinks to children are a pretty um, small share of the market. Most of the retailers have done that already. So in terms of um, its impact as a policy, um, I'm sure, so sure. Uh, there's some other things that Chapter 3 are going to be doing. So, so, just for a moment, looking at the pros and cons of the, of the, of the Childhood Obesity Plan, as I said. I do think it, child, Chapter 2 was an improvement upon Chapter 1. It moved away from voluntary action towards legislation. Um, and it did promise for the first time uh, a long-awaited policy action such as the ban on the advertising of unhealthy foods before the 9pm watershed. Some of us had, um, have been calling for this for years. In fact, I've got a bottle of champagne riding on it, um, dating back to oh, 15 years back. Um, mm. I can open the bottle of champagne when this happens. 
Um, and it's also now becoming almost irrelevant because um, you know, everybody watches TV on demand rather than on scheduled TVs, but nevertheless, let's still hope for that. Um, chapter three moves back, um, I think, a bit towards a more voluntary approach. It's got this sort of mantra of prevention is prediction and stuff like that. So uh, I'm not optimistic, and we've heard already from Harry stuff around reneging on the sugary drinks tax and um, cancelling that maybe. And, but fundamentally, I think, and that's my basic criticism of it, that it's really just a random selection of possible interventions. So, on, with that note, I'll, I think I'll move on. Why random? Um, well, I sort of blame this on the obviously foresight, foresight <laughs> map dating back to whenever it was, 10 years ago now, uh, produced by the Labour government, which was basically complexified, in my view, the problem of obesity. So the, each box on this, on this map, if you haven't seen it before, represents a cause or a causal factor, of another cause perhaps, but basically of obesity. Uh, and the links in this are, are, are weighted causal linkages, so where there's a lot of evidence, they're thicker. But basically, it's just ridiculously complicated to my way of thinking. And what do you do with it? Um, I accept that obesity is a complex problem, but still, this doesn't seem to me to give you any help in either systematizing what might be done and then prioritizing what uh, amongst the, the various options um, on the basis of things like cost effectiveness. So, um, what is a better way of doing it? Uh, I haven't got many answers, but certainly I think if you have a theoretical uh, model for uh, listing your, um, your possible interventions, then I think it helps. So here is just one possible way based on marketing theory, the four P's of marketing theory, product promotion, place and price, and comparing, looking at voluntary public health interventions where the industry or whoever takes a voluntary initi uh, uh, initiative in doing something to prevent obesity, um, uh, on the other, on the third column, public health regulation where the government takes an active role by introducing fiscal measures or by introducing legislation. And I think here we, I've mapped out some various possibilities that they could take around product reformulation, around labelling, around marketing, around um, availability through distribution and around price, which gives you a better handle, to my way of thinking, on, on, on the range of possibilities um, uh, than the, um, the mess or the confusion of that map. It is true that um, Public Health England have some ways of systematising their policy interventions based on the, um, uh, the Nuffield model of, um, of possible target things, which is illustrated there. Um, so, yeah, so now I think I'm going to go on to talk about some of the possible interventions and, um, the, and what, what I think should be um, initiated by chapter four, in say chapter four of the Childhood Obesity Plan. And this is firstly something which was promised in the first chapter, which is to update the UK 2004 nutrient profiling model. Now this is a fundamentally important um, way of, of and a tool that you need really for a lot of the interventions I showed you um, in that grid um, of, based on the marketing theory. Basically, in order to uh, do anything about um, obesity, you need uh, some sort of a definition 
of an unhealthy food? What foods are you not going to um, market to children? What foods are you going to label as unhealthy? What foods are you going to make available through your schools? What foods are you going to price or tax more heavily? So this was an, a model uh, which was um, developed by the UK government, 2004-2005, around and for the marketing of foods to children, and is in part of uh, the um, regulations around advertising today, but it's out of date and um, it needs re-updating. Um, Public Health England has started to um, update it and have come up indeed with a better model, based with, which tweaks the old model, but basically um, uh, gives more weight to things like sugar in, in, in the foods. But has this been published by Public Health England? No. And why isn't it? I don't know. It's just Public Health England seem enable, uh, uh, sometimes incapable of um, getting to the end of, of important policy processes. A good thing that they did do was um, the sugar reduction strategy and reformulation program from, um, start, started, as I said, in Childhood Obesity Plan 1. The overall ambition of this um, strategy was to uh, uh, reduce sugar by 20% um, in biscuits and a series of other foods. Um, a 5% reduction in year on year um, and they moved away from the previous um, coalition government's way of thinking here they instead of telling um, the industry to set their own targets and make their own promises they set out this clear um, uh, sugar reduction target of 20% and well, but what has happened so far with that well, in, with, with some foods, the, the, this target has been achieved. This one percent, this two percent reduction. Uh, so, but, but generally, um, the, the reduction has been much smaller than was um, has been aimed at. The, the best food, or the food which um, uh, there has been most progress on, <laughs> is is the uh, soft drinks, which I'll come on to show you later, and some other products some um, uh, have. Have, there has been a, a significant change in things like um, ice creams and, and all these reductions have been 7% but um, uh, in, uh, in other products such as sweet confectionery as you might expect there's been very little change the question is whether these are um, promising or less than ambitious or whatever as I said before um, one of the planks of the sugar childhood obesity plan has been the uh, sugary drinks tax um, going back to this map my problem with it is it doesn't really tell you as I said earlier what to prioritize so only in one small corner of the map do you find the market price of food offerings and I think really uh, what has happened in the UK as people have just decided well let's forget about the complexity just let's go for one box. Let's go for price. We know that price is an important determinant of food purchasing behaviour. Let's try and do something about that. And I think that has been a major achievement of the British government to tackle this issue of taxing unhealthy foods. And it, in, in theory, I think we could expand this policy to taxing unhealthy foods in general, not just um, soft drinks. My group's been... Uh, Harry as well and other people from Cambridge and the London School of Hygiene and Medicine have been 
um, investigating the impact of that tax um, on the uh, on the purchases and um, the availability of soft drinks. And this slide shows you that um, what clearly has happened in the uh, the soft drinks which are eligible for tax that they moved from uh, green to to yellow and we add yellow to red. So these are the high tax, the tax, the drinks which are subject to the high tax under the levy, and there's a really small, very small proportion of soft drinks on the market nowadays which are uh, eligible to the levy. Most of them have been reformulated to either uh, to get moved into the middle band, the under the, um, between eight and five grams of sugar per hundred grams, and clearly that those changes started. As soon as the tax was announced, which is um, uh, around uh, the March um, 2016, and with a really increasing change in the, in the proportion of um, soft drinks subject to the tax, um, and when you get the tax introduced in October, uh, March 2018, that reformulation tails off. But this is data using um, a special data set that my group has been developing, clearly indicating that the tax is definitely working and see on the right the, the taxes which are not uh, are exempt from the levy where there's little change in the sugar levels of those drinks. And also in terms of actual sales of those <coughs> drinks over the last, last four years, 2015, 2016, 2017 and 2018, there has been an overall increase in sales of soft drinks illustrated by these bars here which um, are taller on the right than they are on the left, but the portion of um, uh, drinks within those bars has changed, leading to um, a reduction in sugar provided by soft drinks of 29%. So here I think is really increasingly good evidence that the tax is actually working to affect not just the availability, as I showed you earlier, but also the sales of, of soft drinks and, and the sugar in those soft drinks. So, yeah, the tax is great. Um, would it be possible to, to extend it? Um, in the Childhood Obesity Plan, there have been promises to extend the drinks, the, uh, the levy to other um, drinks, particularly milky drinks, um, uh, and that's welcome. The previous uh, Chief Medical Officer also talked about um, all sorts of uh, things being uh, taxed, like pizzas and so forth. Certainly, it makes sense, in my view, to move to fruit juice, to fruit juices, because of them having really as much sugar as, as some ordinary um, soft drinks, soft drinks, and confectionery, as a recent article in the BMJ pointed out, would actually, if you tax confectionery, you'd have much bigger effect on sugar reduction than taxing soft drinks because they eat so much confectionery in the UK. And my uh, preferred option would be to extend it to red and processed meat as well on the grounds of sustainability and Harry talked a bit about the need for um, uh, to, of public health um, initiatives to embrace environmental sustainability as well. So um, briefly some other things that have, have been promised in the childhood obesity plan. One is the, um, as I said before, the price promotions on unhealthy foods. Um, the, at the moment we don't know really what's happening around this policy, whether it's stalled in the light of uh, political shenanigans in the moment or whether uh, it's still on cards. <laughs> Certainly, as I said before, the retailers have, um, have scrapped uh, price promotions on, 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 
on foods. Um, this is, you can see from some data produced by my group where we've looked at the percentage of foods with on-price promotion in, in various supermarkets, these are online supermarkets, and you can see that you know, where it's on, Asda has um, price promotions on around 60% of these are volume-based promotions um, on, on, on products on any, at any one time. Sainsbury's have indeed dropped its um, volume-based promotions but still has price promotions on it. And these price, the distinction here is that price promotions are things like 50% cheaper, whereas volume-based ones are uh, two for the price of one. So you can begin to see, and we will be monitoring the situation in the future to see whether if this policy were to come in, whether indeed um, the other retailers would respond like Sainsbury's have responded. Um, there are lots of questions about price promotions, in my view, and I'm not entirely convinced it's the best way of altering the price of foods. I think taxes are actually a much more effective um, way of changing the price and thereby their consumption. A bit on uh, food labelling in the UK, we've got this now, uh, this thing called traffic light labelling, as they do in, I think that's Peru, maybe Ecuador, um, a few other countries around the world anyway. Um, there are better systems than traffic light labelling emerging, particularly this thing called Nutri-Score in France, but of course um, the British government are rather committed to um, traffic light labelling, and I guess if we leave the U U uh, e European Union, um, they could and will make this... Um, uh, compulsory in Britain. Um, Theresa May promised that, though what her promises uh, uh, are honourable, I'm not sure that we would have compulsory traffic light lately in, in Britain, um, but um, there are better schemes emerging around the world. So, just to summarise, I'm running out of time, uh, what progress have we really made on the childhood and EC plan since 2016? This is a Public Health England slide. I think it illustrates the, the sort of slowness of the whole process. Um, surely, for sure, the voluntary sugar reduction uh, um, program has led to some reduction in some um, uh, processed foods uh, um, since its uh, introduction. For sure, the sugar drinks levy, I think, has been a, a, a really great success. Um, with they are claiming here 49% of products in scope having been reformulated since the levy was introduced. A bit of um, uh, frippery on the bottom where they claim that um, some of that levy, levy has been put into school sport. In fact, I think the Chancellor has announced that that hasn't happened recently, so I'm not at all sure about that. This is really what all the Public Health England, quite frankly, complain, can claim as a result of the um, Childhood Obesity Plan. So what do, I, what do I want? Well, as I said earlier, I think we could be much bolder and braver we could extend the sugar drinks tax, um, now that we know it works, to a tax on all unhealthy foods and unsustainable foods. I think we should go much further around the extension of restrictions on the advertising of unhealthy foods um, to children. At the moment, as I said, we haven't even got the 9 o'clock watershed, which we've been fighting for four years. We could ban advertising. I think to adults would be much simpler than trying to um, ban just advertisements targeted at um, children. We could have a much better compulsory front point of sale nutrition labelling, um, not nutris, not but nutri score, not traffic light labelling, and in my ideal world, that um, form of labelling would embrace considerations of environmental sustainability. And there are a range of other things we could really do, um, particularly if we leave Brexit, Brexit, uh, the EU, like um, we could um, take our own initiative and ban health claims on unhealthy products. So some ideas. 
for the future, which I think uh, we need to do, we need to introduce, and needs to be in future versions of this plan if we are really going to tackle uh, obesity in the UK. Thank you very much. <laughs>